This is the Miller Report with Suzanne Miller on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And now, here's Suzanne Miller. Welcome to okay. the Miller Report. I'm Suzanne Miller, CEO, Empire State Properties, and host of the Miller Report. Today's guest is getting more famous every day. She was born in Illinois and raised in Iowa. In 1998, she came to New York and became an evening anchor in Albany. In 2021, she announced her bid for governor of Arizona. It was such a close race, guys. But in 2023, she announced her bid for U.S. Senator in Arizona. The most exciting thing is last month when Donald Trump won against Nikki Haley in Iowa. She was the first person he thanked. I bet you guys can guess who this is. Welcome, Carrie Lake, to the Miller Report. Oh, it's so good to be on with you, Suzanne. It's always good to talk to the great people of New York as well. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you making the time for this. We love you here. What made you leave a successful career in journalism to seek political office? Well, the two weren't connected at all. I left a successful career in in, um, broadcast journalism because I got so fed up with the industry. The news business stopped doing news and they started pushing 100% propaganda. And when I recognized that, I just thought, I can't continue to contribute to this uh, decline of journalism in America. I'm not going to lend my voice, my heart, my reputation, my face it's funny. <laughs> to uh, propaganda. So I walked away and I walked in. It was a difficult decision because I was making quite a bit of money. It was a seven-figure contract I walked away from. But I just felt that it had become immoral work. And if I continued to do it, that would make me immoral. So I walked away. And when I put a, a video out saying goodbye to the people of Arizona, they started reaching out to me in droves saying, would you please run for office? Would you please go into politics? We need people to represent us, who understand the issues. They understand us and that we trust. You know, a 30-year career in, in journalism, you earn a lot of trust of the people. And so I thought about it and I thought, you know, maybe this is why God freed me up to get into politics. And, and I thought about our founding fathers and how, you know, merchants and farmers would would leave and go to Washington, D.C., or would go and serve the people, um, and then they would go back to their real lives. And so um, that's what we're supposed to do. Citizens are supposed to step forward and run for office, and that's why I did it. Carrie, it's almost like you read my mind, because my next question to you was, being that you are a trained journalist, can you tell listeners, mostly young ones, because they really don't know, where can they get honest news? Like, I'm searching myself. You know, I think we, as we're watching the legacy media fall apart, and thank God it is, to be honest. It is so dishonest. It's about spreading a false narrative. And uh, it's, you know, they, 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 it's not so much what they're covering. Sometimes it's what are they not covering? What are they intentionally not telling us about? So as we're watching that fall, and we're watching the rise of alternate media, alternative media, and, and independent journalism, I mean, I, you know, you can go to Twitter now and follow numerous journalists who've left the legacy media and are still journalists. I'm still a journalist. I, I consider myself a journalist at heart, but they're out there tracking down stories and doing good reporting. So you just have to kind of dig around. I like, um, I like the Epic Times. I think they do a really good, fair coverage. Mm-hmm. I also like Just the News. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, I'm finding lots of good journalism online, and I think it's great. I think Tucker Carlson's been doing some great 
reporting mm-hmm. as well. When you're not tied to and owned by a network mm-hmm. who controls what stories you can cover, what stories you can't cover, you are free to do real journalism. Got it. Like that. Maybe people will listen to more podcasts. Let's talk about the Trump. Ver- yes. Let's talk about the Trump verdict in New York. I'm sure you're following it. I mean, mm-hmm. most fair-minded people like myself think this is completely unwarranted, extreme, and really bad for New York. How can we stop these witch hunts? How have you been following this? I think a lot of it is waking people up. I mean, when the people of New York, I'll tell you what, if I were a Democrat living in New York mm-hmm. who owned a business, mm-hmm. who, even if you don't own a business, I would be appalled by it because it's going to hurt the entire state. Mm-hmm. It's going to, they already have a mass exodus hap- happening in New York. People are sick of the taxes. They're sick of the crime. They're sick of it being a sanctuary state where uh, people coming here illegally actually, in, in many ways, have more rights and services provided to them than uh, everyday Americans and New Yorkers. So, I think I think the people are going to start demanding the resignation of some of these um, people who are, are pushing this witch hunt on President Trump. You know, take President Trump out of it. This is bad business for the people of New York. It's bad business for the state of New York. It is going to bankrupt the state of New York. Think of that. Think of the irony. They're trying to bankrupt President Trump, but in the end, they're going to bankrupt their state. Well, I do own a real estate company, Empire State Properties, and we've been doing this for 40 years. And I will say this to all of our listeners, whether you like Trump or not, he builds the best buildings. They sparkle. And we need developers and we need people that care about New York that are going to spend money here. And I think this is a very bad decision. And I hope that... Totally. And, you know, you look at President Trump's properties and they are an exceptional, exceptional real Mm -hmm. estate. He helped define and create that skyline of New York. Mm-hmm. He put in some ways for, you know, a girl like me growing up in Iowa, when I was a kid, I had never been to New York. And when I thought of New York, I thought of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. This was back in the eighties when he yep. kind of came on the scene and became a national name. Mm-hmm. I was just a kid. I was just a young girl living in Iowa. And I, when I saw him and saw his buildings, I thought I want to go to New York someday. You used to have that feeling. I want to go to New York. I want to, you know, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And he was part of that. And for them to try to take him down with incredible properties, the service, the uh, everything, if you've ever been to a Trump property, is par excellence. I mean, truly, still is. some of the best service. Yes. And, and it still is. And you know what? In some ways, this current New York doesn't deserve him. They really don't. Well, we're going to hope that things will get better and change. I'm still optimistic. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. With the big election yeah. coming up, Carrie, people want to know that their votes are being counted fairly. And I know this is a big issue for you, and I think it's a big issue for so many people around the country. How can we ensure that people's votes are counted fairly? I mean, I read today that some people don't even want voters to have to show ID when they vote. hope I read that wrong. Well, I mean, that, that's what the Democrats want, to be honest. That's mm-hmm. exactly what the Democrats want. They want, they want Ill- people here illegal 
illegally to be able to vote. They want mail-in ballots where, you know, in Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, every time the mail-in ballots come out, you'll see people who say, wow, we only have two voters in our house. Why did we receive five ballots? It, the system is a mess, and this is why I continue to fight. I've got court cases that are working their way through the courts still because I really, truly want to have an election system and elections that are run so well that Democrats, independents, and Republicans all feel confident that their one legal vote counted. And they know the results of the election on election night, not, not 10, 11, 12 days later. In Arizona, we, I call it election season. We vote for a month and they count for two weeks. And it's, it's out of control. When I started uh, voting back in 1988, when I turned 18, um, you went to the school or the church near your home, wherever your, you know, your precinct was, you voted, you cast your, your ballot on paper. They didn't have the machines. We've made it so complicated and so long and extended that what's happened is it's been just an invitation to invite fraud and maladministration into our elections. So we're continuing to fight it. I don't want people to give up. We have to vote and we have to go out and vote. Even if the system is not perfect, we must go out and vote in November. I'm, I'm, with you. We- I'm with you, Carrie. Yeah. We're going to we're going to help. We're going to help. In 2022, Good. you ran for governor of Arizona. Now you're running for senator. A huge issue then. In two, in, I think in 2022 midterms, the most important issue, and it was here in New York. I followed recently the Mazzi and Swazi case, the same issue. The midterm elections, a big issue was the woman's right to choose. Where are you on that now? You know, you're talking about abortion, right? And I I think what we've done as Republicans is we've gotten it all wrong. We've been so focused on how many weeks and what the laws are. Roe versus Wade was unconstitutional. And now the states are deciding we're going to have 50 different state laws on abortion. And I think as Republicans, we have to get less concentrating on what these laws are and more concentrating on how can we help women so that they really do have choice. The left is uh, always twisting language, and they call themselves pro-choice. And what I really feel is they're about one choice. You know, when you walk into an abortion clinic, they don't tell you that there's even help if you if you want to keep the baby, but you don't think you can, or you want to keep your baby, but you don't think you can take care of the baby. They don't tell you there's financial help out there, assistance for you if you do want to keep the baby. They don't tell you that there's adoptive services. They just don't offer choices. And I think we need to offer more choices healthy choice so that a woman who is contemplating abortion knows that there are other options out there. I also believe as Republicans, we need to do everything we can to encourage motherhood. And that means baby bonuses and uh, paid time off when you have a baby. We make it so hard for families today. We make it hard for families who want to grow because of the economy. So there's a lot of things we can do to get um, people more interested in, in starting a family and at least offering some choices so that they, there's not just one choice for women. They actually do have true choice. So this is a little different strategy than um, in the past. So you, you do think women should have a choice now? No, I've always, I've always talked about, you know, having some options for women if they're the uh, victim of rape or incest or the, mm-hmm. uh, the health of the mother. Mm-hmm. My problem is what I think is extreme is where the Democrats want to go with this, which is, which is abortion right up until birth. I mean, this is, uh, this is not where the American people are. Right. And most importantly, I, I had a, the great pleasure of going to Hungary. Mm-hmm. And I asked Viktor Orban, I said, how is it that you cut the number of abortions in half without changing a single law? 
And he said, we started to support families, which we started to uh, be, be truly mindful of women and women's health and supported them so that they had a better uh, options in front of them than just abortion. And so I, I think we're at the end of the day, we're going to have 50 different abortion laws. Abortion will be legal. We want to make sure it's safe. But what I really want to do is to make sure women have true choices. And hopefully many of them will decide that the choice to be a mother is the choice they want to make. Got it. Let's move on to the border, which is, I know, a pet peeve. of The whole world is where, is looking at this. When you become a senator, which I think you will, what is your suggestion, Carrie? How are we going to remedy this? Well, I hope it's remedied before then because this is outrageous. Right now, it could be remedied this afternoon mm-hmm. or today or tomorrow if Joe Biden decided that he wanted to stop the invasion at our border. All he has to do is go back to the policies President Trump had um, put into effect. President Trump had an incredible border policy. I know it because I live in a border state. I covered that border state for 27 years as a fair and honest journalist. And we never had a better, more secure border than under President Trump. And on day one, Joe Biden pulled that back, invited the world to pour over. He created this invasion. This is a self-inflicted wound. Unfortunately, the people suffering are the American people. They're suffering greatly. And frankly, the people being trafficked are also suffering. But the frightening thing is we are going to have, God forbid, a terrorist attack because we know people are pouring in from countries that harbor terrorists and and support terrorism. And it's only a matter of time before this problem rears its ugly head, this terrorism problem here inside of our own country. So immediately we could just uh, finish the wall. We had all the materials, $300 million of materials were laying on the desert floor and Joe Biden gave those away, basically. And so I believe we need to finish the wall. I believe we need to go back to the remain in Mexico uh, policy, which which basically said if you're coming here seeking asylum, which many of these people are, it's fraudulent, false asylum claims, that they have to remain in Mexico while their case goes through the courts. That will keep people from pouring across the border. And we have to get serious about it. We have to start negotiating and, and talking to these countries that are sending their people over Mm-hmm. and telling them, look, we will cut aid to you mm-hmm. unless you stop sending your people over here illegally. we got to play hardball with some of these countries because they are unloading and, and getting rid of a lot of, of the uh, folks in their country who are criminals, who are mentally ill, and they're sending them over to America. That's not mm-hmm. a healthy, strong immigration policy. That is a recipe for disaster. I think everybody agrees. I think everybody wants to solve this. Donald Trump said recently that he would bring in the National Guard to round up illegals and deport, deport them. Do you think this is a realistic thing? Is it feasible? I, I think it is realistic for a country to want to know who is coming across our border. And mm-hmm. under the Biden invasion, which is mm-hmm. what I call it, because mm-hmm. he created this, Mm-hmm. We've watched anywhere from 9 to 12 million people pour in, and many of them, almost all of them, are not truly properly vetted. And so, you know, in order to save our homeland, I think we have to send these people back to their homeland. Mm-hmm. I believe that we can and, and should and will uh, start the largest repatriation program ever in order to send these people back to their homeland. Otherwise, we lose our homeland, and, and I don't think anybody wants that. Go, carry. Let's move on to the Middle East. Do you think we should still be supporting Ukraine? That war is lost. When the spring offensive failed, uh, that's when the war was lost. And there's no hope for this war. Unless we want to send NATO ground troops in, which I am not for, and I don't believe the American people are for, mm-hmm. this war is lost. 
It's time to bring Putin and Zelensky to the negotiating table and negotiate a peace deal. And we need to do that immediately. We should have done that a long time ago. We can't keep pouring our hard-earned treasure, our American treasure, into a lost war in Ukraine. You know, just a, a couple weeks ago, um, Congress is trying to send another $65 billion to Ukraine to kill people. Let's, let's negotiate peace. We can't have peace, and it's about time we do that. We've got to get more sensible with how we are uh, interacting in other countries. And I believe we need to go to the peace table and negotiate a peace deal. I know President Trump would do that on day one. Unfortunately, when you have a weak uh, leader, or I, I use that term loosely with Joe Biden, it's not going to happen. We're the laughing stock of the world with Joe Biden at the helm. And every single foreign policy decision he has made has put us in a weakened, worse spot than before he made the decision. We need to get back to strength, the strength we had under President Trump where we were respected and people would never dare start a war like Putin did when uh, when Joe Biden took office. What about Israel, Carrie? I, I'm, a, I'm a big supporter of Israel. They are our strongest ally and we need to make sure that we are uh, supporting Israel in any way we can. I believe it's Israel's right and frankly it is their duty to their citizens, to protect their citizens from these terrorists who want to kill them, mm-hmm. want to exterminate them. Mm-hmm. It's frightening. It's frightening that we're seeing so much anti-Semitism all over this country on college campuses. I think it's just uh, our kids have been brainwashed and they don't, they don't truly understand what's happening. If if we do not, if we do not, if Israel is not successful at defeating Hamas and Hezbollah, then what we're going to see is these parasols growing in strength and numbers, and it's just one phone call or one text message where they activi- activate uh, one of their cells that's probably already here mm-hmm. within our country. Probably right now. So, yeah, in New York, and, and you know, mm-hmm. God knows where else in this country because of this wide open border. Is anti Semitism as prevalent in Arizona as it is in other states? It, it's, it's being fueled on these college camps campuses where Marxists have taken over and are, are teaching our kids. They're not teaching them. Unfortunately, they're brainwashing them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had um, Jewish students who feared for their safety on the ASU campus and had to be escorted around campus by police. So, yes, unfortunately, this is the case around our country. And I never thought I would see a day where this kind of thing was happening. We are just in, in very difficult times in this country, and it, it saddens me greatly, and we need to do a better job on our college campuses with rooting this kind of hatred out. Where would you draw the line with these foreign students spewing hate, and would you take away their visas? Uh, absolutely. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't think we, we should be allowing these, these people in who are stoking hatred mm-hmm. and violence in our country. Let's move on to what everybody's waiting to hear. In your opinion, who do you think is going to be the best choice for Trump to pick as VP other than yourself, um, that would strengthen the <laughs> well, ticket. Maybe it is you, but tell us. Who, who would you endorse? I'm running, I'm running for U.S. Senate because mm-hmm. I love the state of Arizona. We have an incredible opportunity to pick up a Senate seat. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm running for U.S. Senate, and I think I can be very helpful to President Trump in the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to have the majority in the Senate. You know, we get President Trump in the White House, and if we don't get that majority in the U.S. Senate, then it's going to be really hard for him to get his cabinet picks approved and... Um, uh, you know, Supreme Court choices and all of that. So I'm running for U.S. Senate. I don't know who President Trump will choose. I think he's going to pick someone great. We're so lucky. We have an incredible movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we could you could line up all of the great 
fighters in the America First movement. And I think President Trump could probably close his eyes and point. Well, who and would you would pick for him? If you had to pick, Carrie, for him, who well, do you like? I, I, I just don't even, it doesn't even matter to me. I think he's going to, he's so powerful and strong on the ticket. Mm-hmm. He's going to pick someone great. I don't spend a lot of time, I don't spend any time, frankly, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm worried and not worried, I'm focused. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about our country. I'm focused on my um, campaign, and mm-hmm. that's where my focus is. Got it. So before I talk about your campaign, just because I know we don't have that much time, I, I read your book. Um, it's great, Unafraid, Just Getting Started. What motivated you to write this book? Uh, I was asked to write it. <laughs> After the election, I had a, a couple publishers reach out and say, you need to write a book. And I said, you know, I'm not really in the mood to write a book. They just stole our victory from us. We've got election systems that are a mess. And and I, I'm in a pretty dark place with what happened. And uh, But actually, it was... Tr- turned out to be very therapeutic writing this book. And so I wrote it and I had, you know, I highly recommend if you write a book to give yourself a very strong deadline mm-hmm. and, and uh, had just a few months to work on this, but it really, I found it to be very helpful and I wrote the book and I'm really proud of it. I hope people get a chance to read it. You don't have to start. I always tell people I wrote it in a way that you could pick up and start it from any chapter Mm-hmm. And read it, you can kind of jump around because every chapter is just uh, its own story. And I think it's an, a book of, of my, a little bit of my life story. Um, there's some, uh, it gives people hope for where we can take this country and how we can turn things around, explains what's happening in our elections. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had great feedback from people who've read it, and that makes me feel really good. That's great. So I'm going to bring this up because I think it's the elephant in the room and I think you'll appreciate it because people are getting to know you and I think you're doing a great job. If John McCain were sitting right here with us now, what would you want to tell him? I would tell him thank you for his service and, and um, his, his maverick qualities are missed mm-hmm. and, and just thank you for his service. And what about the undecided independent voters that that, that why are they going to choose you as their candidate? Tell us, we have about a million followers here that are listening to this. So that is why I appreciate you coming on the Miller Report. Wow. And should, yeah, it's a, wow. it's, a big, it's a big audience. So <laughs> people are listening to you. This is WABC. This is huge. What do you want well, to tell? You know the, what? I would tell, I would tell independent voters the same thing I tell all voters. Mm-hmm. You know, let's look at where we are. I think one thing that's become very crystal clear in the last several years is that we've had this dichotomy of, of two policies, mm-hmm. the destructive policies of, of what has become the Democrat Party and America First policies that made all of our lives better. Take the people out of it. Take the candidate out. Take the, you know, there's people maybe who aren't uh, fans of President Trump. I love the guy. I think he's fantastic. But take him out of it. And take the, the characters out of it and the people out of it and just look at the policy. And our lives are better when we do put our country first. We're more secure. Our, uh, the safety on our streets when we put America first. Our children are in a better place. They're getting a better education when we put America first. And so I would just ask uh, people, look at where you were four or five years ago. Were you better off than you are today? And if so, you know, I would love your vote because I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. and fight to make Arizona stronger, safer, more secure, a better place to do business, a better place for families to live, improve quality of life. And we can do all these things, and we can turn this nightmare around. I really want to see us coming together, not just Republicans coming together, but all Americans coming together to help um, solve these problems, because we have some real challenges ahead of us. 
I love your energy. I love your enthusiasm, your optimism. And thank you so much for coming on the Miller Report. I'm very cognizant to the time limit that your staff told me you have. And I really appreciate you doing this for us. We're going to circulate. We're going to post. And we're going to get this out. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Suzanne. God bless you. And and, and I'm sending my love to New York. Okay. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you for tuning into the Miller Report. Please download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.